Welcome to the old bastard martini lunch. This is a show about advertising and design creatives with an audience of one, me. I'm Peter Morse. This is my show. show you may be wondering who is peter morse well it's me i'm an award-winning illustrator designer and art director i've worked for the top agencies in the nebraska area and i'm currently a freelance creative Uh, during my time at these agencies i made a lot of connections with a lot of interesting people so this show is me sitting down for a couple of drinks and catching up with some of those folks i hope you enjoy the conversation Casey leads us along through his experience while working as a reporter in Colorado uh, to his experience in Oregon and how he almost became um, a Bigfoot researcher. There may or may not have been murders involved in these points in his history. Uh, Join us in our booth at the back as we share our drinks and our stories. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> I, I just like. Sorry. Sometimes at work, I'm just like, oh my god, like. It can be overwhelming because, like, when yeah. you just start like looking at that, and it, it becomes like so granular, and it's like, why am I even doing this? It doesn't matter, you know. But yeah, you're still looking at, you know, I think the I think the drug, like, is to find out like what is that thing that works and make that work, and then when you hit that, you're like fuck yeah that worked you know look at these numbers you know because it's so difficult to hit that and then when you do it's like yeah yeah i want to do that again yep gonna deal with a bunch of shit to try to hit that again well because it's like certain types of people who end up doing this right like agency people are a certain type of folks and we're like focused on doing that kind of stuff and we'll like be having like a really intense debate about how a scarf looks on an inflatable dinosaur for a Runza photo. <laughs> and then you take a step back and you're like, I am being paid to do this right now. Right. Like, this is my job to stand here and debate how this scarf looks on an inflatable dinosaur right. for a social media video. Right. And, like, this is my real life where I am just <laughs> one of a million rats jumping up and down trying to get someone to pay attention to me. Uh, oh, good. Kudos to you, sir. (laughs) It's better to know than not to know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that to do it, you also kind of have to put it in that context, right? And say, like, okay, if, like, you know, an electromagnetic pulse destroys all electronics, like, my job is useless. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people, unless you're, like, a carpenter or (laughs) a plumber. Anymore, there's a pretty slim niche of people that can claim to have a job. You could set some type. You, no, I couldn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, you didn't. All right. Yeah. No, for well, a fact, I couldn't. Well, I'll be making the, the community newsletter for Negan's compound. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be all right. What was the? You guys remember in in like uh, grade school, or maybe I'm older, but it was the like this sort of uh, you reproduce the stuff, but it was like a blue ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what that was? So you'd like do like your little school newsletter or whatever that, and print out like twelve of those copies and give them to friends. I wanted to do comics with those, but never got around to it. But that's what we'll be doing, Mediograph. I think you probably get one of those. 
system's pretty cheap these days. Really? Oh yeah. I don't well, know. how's I don't the ink know, cost? I don't even know what it, how it it's works. It's probably like destructive to the environment. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> How are, how are those? Are you guys alright with these? Uh, yeah, these, these are great. Teams, yeah. You, yeah. Mm. I thought we were gonna get into Casey's history. No, we were. Give us your history, Casey. Okay, so um, I grew up in a super small town in southeastern Wyoming. Yeah. So yeah. Where? Um, it's a town called Burns, and it is 25 miles east of Cheyenne. Okay. So when you drive on I-80 and you go right across the Wyoming border, you uh-huh. go to Pine Bluffs, which is uh-huh. our horrible rival, and it's a bad town, and you oh, yeah. stop there. It's a shithole. Yeah, and then yeah. 10, 15 more miles, and you get to, I think it's exit 386, and there's a gas station that uh-huh. all the outdoor rec guys just want to Russell call Antelope Junction. Yeah. And uh, Is that by the big curve? Yep. Uh-huh. And then uh, two miles north of there is Burns. 285 people. Wow, that is small. I thought, but when you said small, like, I'm from a small town. It was like 1,500, but you you beat me, man. You beat me. Yeah, no, there, I had a graduating class of, like, 37 kids and super, super small town stuff where there's, like, intergenerational grudges and, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's Americana. Right yeah. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Like what <laughs> it took what it, it it took me a long time to realize that many of the things that went on at Burns were not normal. Right. Like I had to like go to college before I was like, Oh, this doesn't happen in everyone else's yeah. town. <laughs> Most people just don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're there, so how'd you end up here then? Um so I was searching for a college and by the time I got to be a senior in high school, I wanted to go to a college where I did not know another living person. And I so, feel like that'd be pretty easy. <laughs> very easy. But my choices were I could go to the University of Wyoming right. or I could go to Hastings College, which is a small liberal arts college out in Hastings, Nebraska. Uh-huh. And it worked out with scholarships to be about the same price. And I was like, going to Nebraska. Really? Yeah. So I went out and did four years, actually five years at Hastings College and uh, got an undergrad. And I originally went in to be an advertising PR person, but along the way I kind of got pulled into this um, idealistic journalism, photojournalism route. And I was like, yeah, like this is exactly what I want to do, what I want to be. This is awesome. Um, Very difficult industry. Um, I think I was pretty good at it, but at the same time, um, it's a very challenging industry to be in at the time that I was in it. Um, So I got out of college and I took this job at a small newspaper in uh, Colorado. Where at? In Salida. So it's like two and a half hours south of Denver out in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really rural and rustic out there. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, So I was working at this newspaper out there. And I was working there at the time that the economy collapsed in 2008, and then Rocky Mountain News closed in Denver, and so it's kind of like shocking to see people with Pulitzer Prizes go home without jobs, and you're just like, oh, that's that's where this industry is going. Um, But I had a good, well, I had a good experience in in Salida, Um, having to catch a story. Um, There was a first murder that had happened there in like 30 years. And it first came to me as a missing person story that nobody wanted to write. And then it turned out they found the guy dead. And so I got to write this murder story that ended up getting made into an episode of Investigation Discovery. Oh, man. Yeah, it is. Did somebody somebody portray you? 
No. Oh. I, so I they. You just uncovered it. So you're, you're yeah. kind of behind the scenes. Nobody. Yeah, they they interviewed some of my reporting colleagues. I okay. declined. I declined to be part of it for what? various reasons. But oh man, some yeah. salacious information here. I don't know. Do I thought you to turn the microphone off. <laughs> I thought this you were going to say that you you didn't uh, have someone play you because you played yourself. Oh, mm. see, there you go. Ben Swift, one step ahead there. Yeah, no. I was also thinking you probably murdered the guy <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of get in. Yeah, so like, that's just mostly why I wasn't in it. But. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of things I can't talk about. Mostly the fact I murdered the person allegedly. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, actually, that would be a great way to uh, cover up a murder because if you're the one writing the information about it and and spinning public perception, yeah, you can totally I mean, get away with it. Why would like, you be the one that would do that? Yeah. That sounds just absurd. It's amazing. Yeah, that'd be a great novel. Okay, okay. <laughs> that would be a good read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of Colorado? I, I loved it, man. I lived out there for a while. Like it was. I don't know. I, it's a really interesting state. The the challenge that I have with Colorado is that every time I go to specific parts of it, I always just feel like really poor, right? Like yeah. the there is a lot of money in Colorado, and you go to some areas, and you're just like, wow, like I. I am definitely not as wealthy as I thought I was. I lived in Oregon for a while, and I think the difference between Oregon and Colorado is Oregon is the kind of place that really means what they say about like the environment and public lands and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of public lands in Colorado. The entire beach, the entire coast of Oregon is public beach. Right. right? They have amazing public lands. They've intentionally kept it like very rustic. Mm -hmm. But And there are parts of Colorado that are still like that. Where I lived in Salida was a wilderness that you could go out and legitimately die in if you were not appropriately prepared. Sure. And it happened a lot. But, you know, you go... You go yeah, right now he's admitting to, like, several murders, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> but, well, I mean, what, what, what it was is, like, you know, all these guys who wanted to go out there and elk hunt from, like, the yeah. East Coast, right? You fly out to Salida from sea level. The town is at 7,200 feet, and there's 12,000-foot peaks right outside of town. Right. You come from sea level on an airplane, and then you go hike up there, and you're 50 years old and have a heart condition, sure. like and mm. get altitude sickness, mm. like, it is really hard to get you back out of there. Right, right. And so, um... So you're saying they had it coming when you got to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting words in your mouth. Yeah, no. No, no, uh, no but yeah, yeah. yeah it, so, it can be a challenging environment. Yeah, yeah, but then you go to, like, Boulder, and I used to date this girl who um, lived out there, and she's like, all right, well, we're going to go to Boulder, and we're going to go hiking. And I was like, oh, we're going to go hiking. We need, like water and we need a first aid kit and we right. need like a safety blanket and we need like flashlights all this stuff in case we get lost and we get out there to go hiking and it is like a five foot wide paved path I love all that. the way up yeah the top i would, of this I would ride that on a bike all the time like yeah. i love that trail but yeah it's not very challenging <laughs> yeah it was like not hiking i was like hey this is a sidewalk yeah, like it's a walking <laughs> path yeah that's awesome yeah so um but then you go out to oregon and it's like very very rustic and right. um, you know Colorado, but just like a little bit more on the non-hypocritical side. Right, right, right. Yeah. Although I think part of that area burned down recently, so I'm mm -hmm. interested in seeing how that has changed it. We went out there <clears throat> maybe four or five years ago and did like a bike trip along the uh, I don't know some scenic highway like on the Cascades mm -hmm. or something like that through there. Yeah. And it was beautiful. So it'll be interesting to see. It now that it's been torched, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, but, 
No, no, go ahead there. There's a lot. There's a lot of trees out there, though. It is like dense and recovers quickly. I'm sure. Like I, before we moved out there, I like was skeptical about whether or not a Bigfoot could exist, and no one would have like ever seen one or right. you know whatever. And so we moved out there. My wife um, was headed out there for grad school, and I didn't have a job. We just kind of moved out there, and I was going to find something. And I was like, you know, Rachel, like if I if I can't find something, I'm just going to be a Bigfoot researcher. And, yeah. Like, I'm just going all in on it. Yes. Nice. And so, but like after you get out there and you like see how dense the forest is, if you don't know your way around, you get to take ten steps off the road into it, and you have no idea where you were. If you didn't know what direction you came from, you'd be lost. Sure. And I was like, okay, the, a Bigfoot can legitimately exist out here, and no one would know. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Colorado then apparently bounced out to Oregon, is that right? Well, or I bounced, was there a stop I bounced between there? back to go to grad school at okay. UNL, um, because, you know, after doing the crime reporter thing, I was like, you know, I still want to do journalism, but journalism is financially challenging to continue to do. Yes. So I was like, I will go to grad school to get a degree in journalism so I can keep writing and like somebody will pay me to do this. I got, I got a quick question for you. So, so your, your beat was crime then? Mm Mm-hmm. I did Um, crime and government. Okay. Okay. How was that? um, Well, yeah, they're, they're relating. Um, uh, I know a lot has kind of changed now just as far as because I know years ago you'd have to go talk to a victim you'd have to face to face like meet that person that something's happened to mm-hmm. like was that the same then or were you far, far enough along because I know now that a lot of it is like hey such and such said on their Facebook page blah 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 like I feel like they're not actually going out and meeting with people anymore you know I think that social media and email like make it easy to do that um Right, and it's an easy way to get a statement. If I were going to counsel people in terms of like how to manage their news media in a situation like that, I would put them in a situation where they made a written statement on Facebook or sent an email or made some kind of a public statement through their attorney, depending on their situation. Right. But, um, you know, there's still... Um, you know, I didn't meet with victims. Like, I went to Tuesday court every week right. and saw the people who had been recently arrested get paraded through and got to see how the justice system worked, which was a, a real education. And, you know, there's still, like, this onus on you to, like, um, also reach out to the people who are being accused of stuff to sure. try to get their side sure. of the story, right? And, like, that any good attorney tells them not to talk to you. Right. But, um, you know, in this murder case, I had to call the guy's wife who was, like, under investigation for this stuff. And an accomplice or what? uh, Her and um, her boyfriend, who was 20 years younger than her, conspired with this... Were they um, related? I feel like that's... (laughs) Yeah, no, no. They they weren't related, but um, she... They conspired with this other guy to abduct and kill her husband before he could divorce her and change the beneficiaries on his life insurance. Okay. Yeah, and so um, we were writing this story and they were persons of interest but not necessarily suspects yet. Right. And so I, like, called their house to try to... You know, see if they would be interested in saying anything. And um, you know, I talked to her for you know five ten minutes, and she's like, "Well, like I, you know, the detectives who are you know investigating the case are going to come by and talk to me a couple hours. I have to ask them whether or not I can talk to you." But she's like, "I'll tell you right now that everything that you've written in the newspaper is wrong." And I'm like, 
okay, like I would really love to hear how that is <laughs> right. the, is the right, case. Right, right. But you know, um, she was a hundred percent wanted to talk to me, and it, I her when she eventually got an attorney, and then like the detectives were like, no, right, 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 you, right. You, you should not talk to them. You know? <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it's I interesting because I feel like people aren't doing their due diligence anymore because yeah. of because of that. You know, I feel like a lot of misinformation is floating out there because they're not going to take that extra step to you know, approach people or get yeah. validation. Of well, things. and I think the tough part about being a journalist, of being a good one and being a good crime reporter is you have to ask questions that nobody necessarily really wants to ask. Yes. And nobody really wants to know the answers to either. Right. Right. But like that's in pursuit of the truth and what actually happened. Right. And so, you know, I can think of some cases here in Nebraska that have happened recently where there are questions that I still have as like a former reporter about mm -hmm. what happened in these situations, but no one's asking those questions. Nobody goes to the courthouse to get the public records anymore. Right. And like, that's where all the good stuff is. Right. And, um, you know, so many reporters are just content to rely on some of the statements that they've been able to get and what people said through Facebook and not ever go check for any of the good stuff. And it took me getting burned on that once before I learned my lesson where, you know, I'd written the story, been to court, and one of our competing newspapers, one of their reporters had actually gone and got the arrest affidavits and she wrote an amazing story that blew mine out of the water. And I'm just like, damn it, like I should have gone to the courthouse to get the affidavits. Right, right, right. And, um, so, you know, it's amazing what you can find out about people there. But, you know, you also, it's tough to, like, feel good about yourself doing that, right? Because, like, you go to the courthouse and you can find all this stuff, right? When you go get the public records about somebody, I could see, you know, that they've been sued for not paying their Sam's Club credit card for right. X amount of money and that they had this many traffic tickets and that, you know, they, w they had been previously charged for this and that charge had been dropped and all this stuff. And uh, it amazes me. into their private life there. Yeah, and it amazes me that nobody. <laughs> That's a great way to like connect the dots connect there. that stuff, mm -hmm. and but to also like just throw in random things that aren't related to a crime just to make them seem like a bad person. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, that, that is the, the worst. That is like the word, the thing that like always. Like, I did my homework. I like joke about because like our newspaper editor had like forty some odd parking tickets that were unpaid. <laughs> right. And I was like, parking yeah. violator. And I was like, Chris, like you you know that when like you get arrested, I'm gonna write the story. I'm gonna make sure that like that is also included. And be like, Chris also has forty unpaid yeah. parking tickets. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. he's just abusing the law. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a picture, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. It's it's been interesting to me to see that evolution in journalism. I don't yeah. know. I and think that's that's missed right now. Oh yeah, and I think that um, that's what is like so addictive and attractive about photojournalism, right? Is you get to be this like rock star risk taker, and um, you make your name by doing really crazy things and putting yourself in really challenging situations. But at the same time, like you have to be the kind of person who, no matter what's going on, you stick a camera in somebody's face and take pictures. Yeah. And like some days, that just does not feel good. Like right. the first time that I photographed a soldier's funeral did not feel good after that was over. Right. Like, you know, I got some good pictures, but at some point I just like stopped shooting because I just could not, could not do that to right. somebody anymore. Right, right. Man, this shit, real fucking downer. <laughs> <laughs>
some heavy sheet. Well, let me let me tell you about yeah. You want, you Bring want it to back around. Another one? Or oh man, uh, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, right. we, we we only got a little bit of your history here. We yeah. got real dark, real quick. <laughs> I think I need another drink, and then like, like, can you cheer me up here? Thanks again, Casey, for uh, joining Ben and me. I always came away from meetings with Casey energized about the projects we worked on together. So I was uh, really happy to learn more about how he ended up here in Nebraska. Uh, I've got a spoiler for you. Uh, the best Casey story is yet to come. You haven't even heard it yet, so you better keep listening to the show. If you want to follow Casey, he's on Instagram at CaseyLMills, all one word. If you like the show... Uh, subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Bastard Martini, or if you'd like more info on the shows, visit the website at oldbastardmartinilunch.com. Finally, if you're looking to hire some uh, freelance creative muscle, check out my website, petermorris.us. Should give you an idea of what I can do. Um, or you can just send me an email at me at petermorris.us. In the meantime, have another martini. I know I will.